Hello and welcome to Surveyor Says, the podcast from the National Society of Professional Surveyors. Each week, we bring you fascinating guests that are involved in the profession of surveying. We cover a lot of ground, including table lay talk with Gary Kent, point of order with the NSPS Joint Government Affairs Team, future focus, highlighting current and future leaders of the profession, and everything survey-related in between. Thanks for joining us here on the podcast and hope you enjoyed listening to this episode of Surveyor Says. Welcome. This is your host, Kurt Sumner, for another episode of the podcast series, Surveyor Says. Today, I'm pleased to have with me uh, a guest who is going to share with us some information, uh, not only about himself, but about the entity where he, he operates. And that entity is very important to our profession, being the NCEES. Uh, I th- and I'll ask Tim this in a, in a moment, but it used to be National uh, Council of Examinations for Engineering and Surveying. Um, but I don't know if it's just an acronym these days. I know the a- official name is still there, but everybody knows the acronym. So with that, I, I welcome Tim Miller. I, I appreciate you being with me today. Uh, thank you, Kurt. Glad to be here. Yeah, as, as I started to say there, I, I'm hoping that we can ex- expand on this because I think it's really important for our listeners, whether they're licensees already or not, to uh, maybe get a little, a better, I don't know if understanding is the right word, but maybe more information about how the organization works and how it affects them and how they get involved with you guys Uh I know coming in, it's been so many centuries ago since I was licensed. Uh, I, I don't remember how all that worked, but back in those days, I don't think we even went through NCWS. It was everything was straight through the state board, and and that's still part of the equation. But but anyway, I, I I do appreciate you being with me, and hopefully we can expand on this going further. So to start with, uh, before you even talk about yourself. Tell everybody a little bit about your, your new offices. You guys have a big move in a tough time. Uh, we, we have, yes. It's been uh, in, in the middle of the, uh, of the pandemic. We moved our headquarters from Clemson, South Carolina to Greenville, South Carolina. And we have purchased a new building, a uh, beautiful facility. Uh, it's 75,000 square feet, uh, three floors. Uh, and and we had it renovated, and fortunately, we were able to. The contractor was able to keep going and uh, and under the renovation. So we renovated it, and we started moving. We've got uh, several people are here. Most of our staff in March started working from home, as most of the country did, and we have gradually added in our IT people to get all the. Uh, all the IT operations up and running, and we have moved everything over here in June. So we are fully operational, although most of our staff is still working from home. Senior staff is here. Some of our client services are, uh, you know, if you call in or chat, those folks are here, uh, and, and other people are in as needed. But for the most part, we are not looking at having staff uh, fully back in the office until uh, January of 2021. So we'll see how that goes. But 
the building itself is uh, beautiful. If you go to our website, nces.org, I believe there is a video tour on the website, and I know it's been uh, published in our social media, our Twitter and our Facebook accounts. And there's a video with our CEO, David Cox, uh, giving a, a brief description. But the first floor is fully dedicated to our uh, our exam development. We, we bring volunteers in from all over the country to help us write questions and assemble exams and all that for uh, the engineering and surveying exams. And so we have dedicated the first floor for that. We have five exam development labs. Uh, we are doing everything electronically now. So we have uh, 100 uh, computer stations set up. We have five labs with 20 each. They're very flexible. We've got rooms that can be separated into smaller groups. And this allows our volunteers to be able to work directly in our item banking system, which is how they write the items directly in our, in our software. And they have a, about a five-foot station uh, table area with uh, a 24-inch monitor. Uh, it'll be very nice. I'm, I'm very excited when we can have our volunteers come back in and, and use it. And I know they are as well currently. And I'll talk about this in a little bit. But currently, we're meeting with them virtually to continue uh, writing items and assembling uh, exams and things like that. So. Uh, they, but they are looking forward to being here. We have a large dedicated eating space, which we've never had. Uh, so we don't, we, we've got plenty of room to uh, maneuver and uh, get everybody where they need to be. We have a library uh, with all of our resources. And then we have other meeting rooms on the first floor that can be used for uh, other meetings besides exam development meetings. And then the second and third floors are set up for staff. And uh, we have mostly the second floor is the exam services staff, which I'm responsible for, our, our member services group. And then the third floor is our uh, a lot of our finance, IT, human resources, uh, public affairs, and all of the support, uh, all of the support groups. So, uh, but the building itself is uh, very nice. Greenville, South Carolina is a, uh, a great city, a vibrant downtown. Uh, if anybody's ever been here, they know what I'm talking about. And uh, we're right on Interstate 85, just a quarter mile off, 10 minutes from the Greenville Spartanburg Airport. So very convenient. Yeah, that that proximity is a is a, is a good thing. Uh, I've been fortunate enough to come to the offices a number of times when they were in Clemson, and uh, getting there is is part of the fun. Uh, that's for sure. And uh, so being as where you are now, I know it's going to be a big help to you. And, and as you were talking about the space, the, it occurred to me, some people are probably thinking, wow, that's a lot of space. But having been to your offices before, participated in some of the things that you guys do, um, it's certainly something you need because, uh, and, and, and I'm sure being able to lay it out logistically the way you wanted it, instead of sort of adapting to the space that you had available uh, has to be a great help. Uh, it is. Uh, we looked at, when we were looking to expand, we knew we needed to add 
some computer labs because that was just the direction everything was going. And we looked at how we could modify our building in, in Clemson. Uh, and it was a unique situation. We are uh, uh, we are we were on Clemson University property, although we owned our building. And when we approached them as we were required to do uh, about expanding our building, they uh, worked with us and said, "Hey, we're kind of expanding in that direction. How about if we buy your building and then you can build whatever you want." wherever you want, brand new, just the way you want it. So it, it was a win-win for uh, for all of us. Yeah, that was good. And being where you're located there by the interstate, I'm sure there's plenty of places for your, your visitors to stay when they're coming in. And that's that's nice to be close by. It is. It is. We have a uh, an embassy suites just half a mile up the road that we are working with to, uh, uh, that we have contracts with to when we start hosting meetings again to uh, uh, to have all of our people stay there. So are, are you fortunate that you don't have such close proximity to a golf course now? Because a lot of the people coming into work might have preferred to play at the golf course instead of coming into work. I don't know. <laughs> well, actually, between our office and the embassy suites is a golf course. Oh, wow. So, <laughs> so the distraction's it's, still there. <laughs> it's actually part of embassy suites. So, oh, I see. Yeah, that, cool. that will still be there. <laughs> yeah, that that's cool, though, that, that they have that opportunity. Why, how, I don't even know. How, how long have you been there? What were you doing before this? Well, my background is uh, uh, – I'm I'm a civil engineer by education. Go Hokies! Yes, Hokies. Uh, <laughs> yes, Virginia Tech grad, and uh, so uh, a civil engineer by education and experience. I worked in consulting engineering for a number of years. Uh, worked for uh, Bechtel, uh, and then worked for smaller consulting firms. Did mostly site uh, site development uh, in the civil field, and then project management. We uh, had a lot of industrial clients, did a lot of industrial work. Uh, and then the opportunity came up uh, to work for uh, the council, NCEES, and I was living in Greenville at the time. And so uh, I've been here 15 years, and the opportunity was to work with exam volunteers, uh, one of we, we call our exam development uh, staff people. And so I've started working in Clemson, driving back and forth to Green from Greenville every day. So moving to Greenville is another big plus for me because I already live here. My commute time got a lot shorter. Uh, and I worked with uh, several exams and was the facilitator for four or five exams and then moved into this role as uh, director over all of the exams and our examination services uh, in 2007. So I've been doing that role for 13 years. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, we don't want to make this about the Hokies, but I don't know how long it's been since you've been on campus. I, after I got out of school, I stayed in Blacksburg for 15 years or so before coming to Northern Virginia. And when I left, it was somewhat different than school, but not as much as it is now. And my wife grew up in Blacksburg and I grew up not far from there. So we go there quite often. And boy, every time I go back, I'm like, holy cow. <laughs> It's, it's well, the last time I went back, I think was for a football game, but we went a day early, and uh, that's where I met my uh, my wife of uh, 
almost 37 years now. Uh, we met at the freshman mixer, the freshman dance, the third day of college. Uh, but when we, so we go back often and, uh, but the last time I was there, I actually had to stop by the visitor's office and get a map <laughs> so I could figure out where everything was. It has grown so much, so much uh, expansion as, as a lot of universities are. So, yeah, it's a lot different from when I was there. Yeah, the, even the ways in and out of campus now, you you, you, you can't go down College Avenues any, anymore. <laughs> so it's, it's, yeah. it's changed a lot. Uh, before we came on, you talked a little bit with me about the whole pandemic thing, and and I don't know if you want to expound on that any further. Um, in terms of has it the impact, if there's an impact on on people who are being examined and and preparing to be examined, um, it seems as though there has been an impact everywhere you go. So I was just kind of curious of has that sort of come and gone at this point, or is it still there? Well, we were certainly impacted uh, uh, for uh, specifically for the uh, fundamentals of surveying exam, the FS exam, and the professional exam, the PS exam. Those are both uh, computer-based testing, so examinees go to a Pearson View test center to take those exams. Uh, starting, we were in the mid-March timeframe when all of this really started, and that's when uh, we had to kind of shut down and all of our staff uh, started working from home. Pearson View shut down their testing centers the, the, right at the end of March and, uh, and, and they were closed for the month of April and that affected some 7,500 7, 7, uh, candidates who had appointments set up for April. And we also had, uh, as those of who, who remember when we had, those were pencil and paper exams, those were given in April and October, we still have pencil and paper exams that haven't been transitioned. And so we had to cancel our pencil and paper administration in April, and that affected some 16,000 examinees that we had to refund. And uh, so we're, we're hopeful we'll get all of them and others uh, in October. Uh, at our next pencil and paper offering. But back to the computer-based testing, Pearson View opened back up uh, in the 1st of May uh, with their test centers. However, they opened up at half capacity and trying to meet the social distancing requirements. So all of the people that were in, uh, that had appointments scheduled in April had to be rescheduled farther out but the issue is that instead of, but a lot of those seats were already taken from other people who had appointments. And then when they went to half capacity, that meant all those appointments, half of those people had to be rescheduled. So they had to be pushed out. And it's not just our examinees, but they also uh, have many other customers. So all of the surveying and, and engineering examinees had to compete with the nurses and, and other groups. We were fortunate in that uh, we were able to be recognized as essential uh, in almost all the states. Some states uh, did not, so we were not able to test in a few states for a while, uh, but in most of the states we were able to be declared essential, so we were able to go ahead and, and our examinees were able to schedule appointments uh, with Pearson View. So, 
just but just looking at some of the numbers uh you know typically we are our testing windows are in three month blocks and so for the april through june window typically uh for last year for example in 2019 we tested 415 fs candidates in that april may june time block so this year april was obviously closed may and june were only half capacity so we only tested 160 fs candidates however we were able to, the other way to look at it is we were able to you know test 160 candidates so that was uh that was good from the ps standpoint uh in in april through june in 2019 we were able we tested 100 almost 200 uh ps candidates and this year from april through june only about 76 so yes that was a a big reduction uh but the july through september numbers are we are back up to where we were last year and actually uh higher than we were last year so uh things have picked up uh and and some states are allowing more testing and so pearson view is increasing their capacity at some of their test centers back to full capacity uh so uh so we've been fortunate and so while there have been uh there was it, it did drop down i mean we will probably in looking at for the year our fiscal year goes from october through the end of september uh from last year to this year we're looking at about 200 or so less FS candidates and less than 100 PS candidates. So we weren't affected a, a, a tremendous amount, but we were affected, certainly. Sure. You mentioned the uh, the pencil and paper option. Um, I'm not sure everybody who's listening to us is, is actually aware of that. I would hope they are if they're in the exam process. <laughs> but... Uh, you know, with going to Pearson View, I think the general thought is, okay, everything's gone that way. So maybe expound on that pencil and paper thing a little bit. Well, our uh, when the council, and, and you had it right, the National Council for Examiners for Engineering and Surveying. Uh, and so we really, we work for the state licensing boards. Uh, and, and just as a brief aside to, to kind of help people understand that, uh, the states, as you mentioned earlier, everybody every state used to do their own thing they actually you know back we're celebrating our hundredth year uh this year and all the states used to design develop their own exams you had to go to that state to be licensed the the states got together a hundred years ago and formed a council so that they could recognize each other's credentials uh and not maybe not have to go take those exams and then in the 60s and later on we developed the national exam. So that's when the council really took off and we have a common exam that's used across the country. And so back in uh, the late 2000s, I guess that's how you say that, <laughs> uh, the council was wanting to move towards computer-based testing. And so uh, they voted that we needed to do that, but that's not something we have over between our, our surveying exams and our engineering exams we have 34 different exams and so that's not something that we can just flip a switch and say okay one day we're pencil and paper and the next day we're 
computer-based testing, so we had to transition over time, and so we transitioned our fundamentals exams first. So our fundamentals of engineering and fundamentals of surveying, those exams transitioned from paper to computer, uh, and those that started in 2014. So those were our first computer-based exams. And then shortly after, we said we needed to work on our professional exams, and the professional surveying exam was the first uh, exam, first professional exam to be converted, which I want to say I was 2016. I hope that's right. Might be 17. Uh, and then the, the engineering exam started in 2018, and we still have some to go. The, the PE civil exam, the engineering exam for civil engineers, is our largest engineering exam, and it will be uh transitioned in 2022 so and we're actually pulling that in one thing we're doing now is trying to pull those transitions in so that we can get out of the pencil and paper business faster than we had originally planned we had basically a 10-year program to get everything converted and we're pulling those in trying to do what we can to get those converted faster because that allows examinees to test all year round and at the test centers where they want to and we're not dependent on the the two October, April and October uh, test dates because we obviously see what happens if we can't have one of those. It causes a big problem. Yeah, another thing that, that you guys are doing that I would like to think folks who are looking to be examined or examined in more, additional states from where they are now. But uh, talk a little bit about the credentialing archiving, if that's the right word, uh, where where people provide information uh, that you guys catalog somehow. Sure. Uh, what you're talking about is our records program. And in this case, having a record with us is a good thing. Uh, so as I mentioned earlier, back in the day, if you wanted I'm licensed in South Carolina. If I wanted to be licensed in North Carolina, I would have had to gone and uh, go and take the exam and and go through all that. Well, we got around, we got past that, and so they no longer would make me uh, take the exam. But I would still have to become licensed there, and I would have to have my transcript from Virginia Tech sent directly to them, and I would have to have references sent to them and I would have to get my exam results from South Carolina sent to them. And so it's a lot of paperwork. And if you're going to be licensed in multiple states, you have to go through that with every state. So everything that we do is uh, for the state licensing boards. And there was a decision was made to come up with a program that would allow uh, candidates to deposit their information with us in a record and we would review everything and keep it all on file. And so we have, when you complete a record with us, we have your transcript, we have all of your work experience, and that's something that has to be updated periodically. And we have your exam results verified. We have your references uh, that you have supplied us and, and the information that your references gave us, and that has to be updated periodically. But now if I have a record with NCS, and I'm in South Carolina and I want to be licensed in North Carolina, uh, I would uh, contact NCS and say, please send my record to North Carolina. 
and we would send that rec transmit that record and you can be licensed in as little as 48 hours uh, so it's a it's a much if you're going to be licensed in multiple states it's definitely the way to go you don't have to bother your references every time you you know the people every time you want to be licensed you don't have to get your transcript sent everything's in one spot yeah it seems to me that of course working with surveyors all over the country through through NSPS we have conversations with a lot of different people and it just my perspective in talking to people around the country it seems to me that there are more people now pursuing licenses in multiple states, not necessarily just adjoining states. You know, it, I think it's always been sort of commonplace, like if I'm in Southern Virginia, maybe I'm licensed in Virginia, North Carolina, or if I'm in Northern Virginia, maybe I'm Virginia, Maryland, or West Virginia, or whatever. But with the change in dynamic and technologies and all that kind of thing, I talk to people who are working all over the country, so they're looking at licenses everywhere. Is that is that becoming a lot more commonplace overall? Uh, we are seeing that a lot. Uh, a, a lot more people are getting licensed, and especially as you say, in certain areas like Southwest Virginia, you've got West Virginia, North Carolina, Tennessee, uh, even Georgia, all very close. And so, yeah, it, it's nothing for someone in Southwest Virginia to be licensed in all those states and we're seeing a lot more and I think in the surveying profession you're seeing more surveying across the country where you may work for certain clients and then they have something in another state and they they want you to do their survey for them because you understand how they work and all that and so be, being licensed in that particular state other than the most states still require a state specific exam uh, about their laws and uh, all that, but it's much quicker to get licensed uh, than than before. And uh, this our record program there there's no fee to set it up. Uh, you can go through and and go through the whole process and have it all ready to go. And there's no charge for that. Uh, and there's no annual renewal fee. We changed all this in 2016, made it all electronic. Uh, so the only time there's a fee is when you uh, do want to transmit your record to a board and I I believe that fee the first time you do it uh, it's hundred and seventy five dollars and every state after that it's seventy five so every time you transmit your record so uh, it's a and most in some states actually require uh, a record in other words if you want to be uh, I'm pretty sure Kentucky does there are several states that do uh, if you want to be licensed and you're in Virginia and you want to go to Kentucky, they will require you to set up a record with us, and that's how you get licensed in Kentucky. Yeah, you're right about that multiple state thing, and and having been in Southwest Virginia, I certainly know what you're talking about there. Um, but uh, it just seems as though there's a lot of that. I, I was going to say that back in those days, before we had this mobility as easily as it is done now, um, it, working my through NSPS, getting to know people across the country actually ended up being a help to me because I could send my clients in different states to somebody I trusted. So uh, nowadays people can still do that, but they can also, also find their way to get licensed there themselves. And, and that's important. And that you said a really important thing. People trust you. They may or may not trust your friends. <laughs> so I think that's part of the equation. Yeah, I agree. It, it certainly is. And, and 
you know, and I want to make sure that people understand too, because uh, I know there's some confusion sometimes that, you know, people will come to us and say they're trying to get licensed and why can't they get licensed and why are you, meaning me, not licensing them? I can't license anybody. Uh, I have no, I have no authority. Everybody thinks I have all this authority to do things and I do not. I'm in charge of the exams, uh, but uh, and, and nobody here in this building can license you. You have to be licensed by your state licensing board. So if you have a licensing question, that's when you contact your, your board or uh, any kind of, you know, am I qualified, the, the, the qualifications to be licensed in a state. Now, there's a lot of that information on our website, but it, it really, anytime any decisions have to be made, it's from the state licensing board. Uh, and then we are involved in the on the exam side and on the like I said on the record side. And we work with all the state boards. Uh, many things we do is we we have in order to try and make uh, you know from a mobility standpoint, the the council gets together and and creates these what we call the model law and model rules. Uh, and it's for those states to use those as they have their their uh, specific state laws and things like that to try and have more common uh, best practices that all the states can kind of push towards so that it makes mobility much easier. Right. We're not there yet, but we're, <laughs> <laughs> they're working on it. One of the things that has always impressed me when I come to NCES conferences is the number of board members from the respective states, regardless if they're surveying or engineering, um, who actually come to the conference and participate in what's going on. The, the, your big board meeting room is, is full of people, and sometimes it seems like maybe everybody on the state licensing board might be there. That's probably not true. But it's impressive to see how many people show up for those meetings and, and want to be part of the process. And it, it made me wonder regarding somebody who might want to contribute somehow, but is not on their licensing board. It, in, in the things that you guys do, is there a mechanism for that? Well, certainly we have, uh, you know, if that's, if that's something that if someone is interested, they can, uh, they can either uh, to, to, if they want to work on their, their state licensing board would be to work with their state society. Because uh, most states, the, the governor will, uh, the governor appoints the people who are on the licensing boards, but they normally get those uh, people from the state societies, whether it's engineering or surveying, they work with them on the nominations for, you know, okay, here are several qualified people who would be good to be on the licensing board. So I would suggest that people, if they want to go on that route, that they would um, work with their state society on that. Uh, as far as working with with us, our our biggest uh, thing again that we do are uh, are the exams, and so we have uh, we are always looking for people to help us write items and and work in the exam development. From a surveying standpoint, we're we've got a, a large cadre of, of of people, qualified people who work with us on both the FS and the PS exam, and uh, they are all volunteers. Uh, they, I always tell people I have the best job in the world. I, 
I, I only work, I work with volunteers. They all want to be here. They all want to help. Uh, they're all technical. So whether they're surveyors or engineers, we all speak a similar language, which is nice. Uh, and, you know, they, and they want to help. And so they volunteer their time. Now, when we are meeting in person, we do pay for their travel expenses. And I always say we always feed them real well. Uh, <laughs> But uh, they do volunteer their time because they want to give back to uh, they want to give back to their profession, and so our our surveying uh, volunteers, our subject matter experts. Of course, everybody you have to be licensed to do that, uh, and so many of our our surveying subject matter experts are members of member boards, but many are not. Uh, you know, they are just. Uh, and I don't mean to say regular surveyors, uh, certainly they are just not on their licensing board. They are surveyors who work in industry or consulting, have their own firms, work in, uh, you know, government, maybe for a, a city or something like that. And they come, uh, you know, a couple times a year and help us write items and do that. So if anybody is interested in that, there is a place on our webpage. Uh, all the way uh, down at the at the bottom, uh, there are a number of links, and there is a a, a link down there. Um, before I say it, I want to make sure I see it under NCEES Services, and there's a link for volunteering. And a, a couple of good things down there. There's a link for volunteering, and so if you're interested, you can express your interest there. There's also something called the NCEES Speakers Link. And what that is, uh, we have speakers kits for uh, uh, for surveying and for engineering that makes it easy uh, to present about the, the value of licensure to different groups, whether it be students or unlicensed people or general public. There's a, a, a speaker's guide, there's PowerPoint presentation, there's videos. Uh, that's something that anybody can download. And, and you can also request a speaker uh, if you're looking for a speaker for a particular group, and and we do try to keep a database of people who who work who do uh, speaking engagements, so that if somebody asks for one, we'll try and find somebody that's close to their area that can come and uh, speak to their group. So yeah, there's a couple several ways to volunteer uh, in exam development or as a as a speaker. Yeah, that's that's really good information to know. Well, as as uh, anybody who's on any kind of broadcast says, time flies. They, it goes by fast. <laughs> we typically do these broadcasts somewhere in the neighborhood of a half hour or so. So and I don't like to keep my guests tied up too long anyway. But um, and perhaps we can can get you back on at some point uh, if that's of interest to you guys. And I know I've been talking with Mar Marissa about perhaps having other people from within the organization participate. So we do have the opportunity to share more information about who you guys are, what you do and, and the service provided to the profession. So I really appreciate you being my, my first, my first person from NCWS, my guinea pig, so to speak. Um, but it's been great having you on the show with me today and, uh, or I, not doing a radio show, I'm doing a podcast now, but, but nonetheless, it's been good to have you with me. Uh, and so much appreciate you are uh, willing to do so, Tim, and good luck in the new building and in the new year. And I'm eager to be able to find my way down sometime soon and, and check out the new 
the new place. Well, we'd love to have you. A, a, a couple of points that I that I meant to make earlier and I forgot real quick. Just okay. Uh, regarding the the test centers at Pearson View, I did say that they are social distancing. They are also uh, being very proactive in wiping down the computers and the keyboards and all of that. Uh, they also require masks uh, to be worn during the testing area. The proctors are wearing the masks and all of the examinees are. So they are being very serious about it. And we have had a couple situations where somebody refused to wear a mask and they were not allowed to test. So it's, uh, it's something we're taking serious. We are also working with our, uh, our, our subject matter experts. We're still holding virtual meetings with our, uh, our exam committee. So that's, that's still working and we're moving forward with that. But yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to being able to get everybody back in the building and get our volunteers here and have some guests here. And uh, so we're certainly looking forward to having you come visit us. Yeah, I am too. So hopefully we'll see each other sometime soon. I, assuming there is a annual meeting this year, maybe we'll have a chance to see each other. Well, we had our annual meeting about a week and a half ago and it was all virtual. Oh, I didn't realize uh, that you'd done it already. That well, way. we did. And, and we did not, uh, it was a very uh, abbreviated version. It was only, uh, and, and we had only board members, member board, licensing board members uh, were invited. And so we didn't have the normal, all the guests like where you would have come. We didn't have that uh, this time. And so we did have some, uh, but we had elections and we had uh, the business that had to be done, some bylaws things and uh, the the passing of the gavel from our current president to our uh or our past president now to our current president. And uh, so we did do that and we managed to get through it all. We had about five webinars, I think, where we covered the finances and all of that. So, uh, but yeah, hopefully next year we'll be in New Orleans and I hope you, I, I hope we'll be there and hope to see you there. Yeah, well, I, I'll just briefly say we, we did our, our spring meeting and we're gonna do our fall meeting remotely as you did and commit, did all our committee meetings that way too. And in some ways it was even more efficient, I think. So our state societies have started doing that. I, it's gonna be interesting to see whether or not people continue to use those platforms even after we can start meeting together just from an efficiency perspective and a cost perspective in some cases. I think there's gonna be a huge change. I have uh, other people like me at other organizations and we meet virtually periodically uh, we were doing that anyway and there are several of them at, that are making decisions that they may you know shut down their brick and mortar uh not have a, a big building where we we've always found that it, it works better to have people in person mm -hmm. but we may certainly be looking at that as well as far as uh using virtual meetings a little more often uh, as you say from an efficiency standpoint and it's certainly in between meetings to use that. Certainly. Well, thanks again, Tim. I really appreciate you being with me on this uh, an inaugural event with uh, NCWS, and, and hopefully we'll be able to do some more of this. So thanks okay. again. I appreciate it. Thanks. Take, take care. You've been listening to the Surveyor Says podcast, brought to you by the National Society of Professional Surveyors. If you have any questions about today's episode or any other topic, 
please email us at info at nsps.us.com, and we are here to help. Visit our website, nsps.us.com, to learn more about our association, the programs we administer and support, our sustaining members, and information about future episodes of Surveyor Says. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, iHeartRadio, Spotify, as well as our podcast host, Podbean. And remember, it's a great day to be a surveyor.